Yeah, no, God of Thunder's terrible. We can say it. It's cool. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power of Suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today is the one and only Leland from Aegis Brand Studios. What's happening, my guy? Not much, not much. Thank you for having me back, my friend. Yeah, man, I'm glad to get you back on. It's always a good time when you're here, and uh, it's been a minute, so I figured, you know, let's let's get the, the band back together in a way, right? I mean, always wanted to be part of a band. Well, here you go. You're part of the HPP band. <laughs> Up until now, it's always just been a band of misfits and not the lovable kind either. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I look, I think we're the lovable kind of misfits. Let's be honest. No, no, no. I, I think you are. I just says I'm not. But. Uh, I I disagree, Leland. You're you're Canadian. How could you not be a lovable misfit? Oh, we're deceptive. I mean, we have Canadian geese and all, so. Mm, yeah. And I bet they like to go to Quebec. <laughs> I love it for how bad that was. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yes. yes, it's a little letter, Kenny, for y'all there. So, Leland, today we have a jam-packed show. We're going to be talking about Ulick, who was recently spoiled, and, you know, that's literally everybody's favorite character. We're going to be talking about oh, the yeah. tactics cards that come with that box, and then we're going to try to get us some show questions because I've been woefully bad at doing show questions lately and so i need to uh need to do that and uh yeah but uh, before we jump into all of that i uh, i did want to give a little report we're uh, going to be doing the tts special report with merzane this week we didn't do one last week uh, i had covid and it just kind of scheduling couldn't work out with with that and everything so we're gonna be getting back into that and i've already played two matches in the TTS season X going to give it to you season X slam all that fun stuff already played two matches but check out the TTS special report for the updates on that and I can say one of them will be up on our YouTube channel should be up by the time you're listening to this that'll be my round two matchup and uh yeah it's definitely definitely interesting and I did something in that where I'll talk about this with Merzane obviously but it was it definitely uh Definitely a great game, and I think you can speak to that, Leland, right? Oh, yeah. No, I, I tuned in, watched the whole thing, and uh, yeah, it, it was great. I, I don't know if the, the Twitch chat feed shows up when you put it up to YouTube or not, but uh, you'll see me yelling at you halfway through it all. Just It's fun. Yeah, I hope it does. I hope the Twitch chat <laughs> shows up on YouTube because there definitely was uh, some fun plays there. I, I even said at one point, I need to, by the way, I need a second monitor, not that anyone knows this, because I don't watch the chat while I'm playing most of the time I need that second yeah. monitor so I can like see the chat and interact with people better but uh you know that's probably for the best though because sometimes we do discuss what your potential best strategies are mm. 
and uh, and we'd probably want to avoid any sort of like external coaching for you, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I definitely maybe I maybe I don't need to do that. But either way, I I made a play at one point, and I'm like, man, chat's probably yelling at me right here. <laughs> so I love that kind of stuff. I, I love it. And uh, you can find the House Party Protocol YouTube link in the description to this show. And uh, you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Darth Balls with a Z 05. So make sure to check that out. And uh, yeah. Quality screen name. Quality, right? Quality. 13-year-old me still still kicking in there. So Leland, without further ado, let's dive into this ULIC real quick. And sounds like fun. First thing we always, always, always do is take a look at this model. And uh, yeah, what do you what do you think about this one? It's it's not bad. I mean, it's it's kind of nice to see a pose that's not like the standard like running forward pose. Like it's a little bit more reared back. Yeah, um, I, I like it. He looks very beefy as well, uh, which I, I like. I like whenever they have the the larger base models where they actually look like they they fill out that base. Yeah, I love it quite a bit, actually. And um, it's one, it's like you said, like there's nothing super special and dynamic going on here, but it's it's filling the space, which I like a lot. And then just, you know, looks like he's going to be beating you up. And I like his little boy shorts. You know, that's definitely, that's definitely awesome and superhero-y. He looks like a wrestler, I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I, I, I do want to call some attention. I, I love what AMG has been doing with this. They're, whoever's designing their models has been doing an excellent job with texture on the models lately. Yes. And like just, just their texture on their hair, the scale mail, like everything looks really nice. And then obviously their studio painters just, you know, they're knocking it out of the park just by adding in that extra little bit of texture onto, onto surfaces that are otherwise flat. So I just, I want to call that out because I think it's actually been quite fantastic to see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think this is uh, an incredible job here. And um, yeah, studio paint job. Like, <laughs> like how he has two toes. That's just a random thing. Like, <laughs> they, they look like hooves, but feet at the same time. It's, exactly. It's kind of weird. It's definitely weird. Are they toes? Are they hooves? I don't know. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> Either way, they're going straight up your rear end. So. This is very true. So let's take a look at this stat card now. We have Ulick with shockingly an alter ego of Ulick. And he has a top stat line of four physical defense, three energy defense, and four mystic defense. He has seven stamina. He has threat value five. He is a size three, and he moves medium. And it's worth noting, he is on a medium base. So he'll be, uh, he'll be moving pretty good. Definitely will, yeah. Yeah, we, he's going to be all over the board. Yeah, and on his injured side, nothing changes on that top stat line. So we have 14 total health here on a character with 4-3-4 defenses. And Leland, I don't know about you, but that 3 on the energy defense definitely stands out to me as a, a slight weakness, maybe? It's it's interesting. I don't think it's necessarily a weakness. When you have the stamina pool that he has, I I think it's only fair uh, that maybe the maybe the defensive dice aren't quite as tuned up, yeah, uh, as it. 
Um, I got to admit, actually, what surprised me, because I, I had to do a little bit of digging into Ulick myself, because, I mean, when he came out, I was right there with the rest of the community just going, who? Um, <laughs> when I was reading some of his bio, it was indicating that, like, these rock trolls were apparently, like, susceptible to, like, mind uh, mind effects and all that sort of stuff. So, so it kind of confuses me to see the, the four mystic uh, oh, really? on this guy. But, uh, again, that was just, like, with a very shallow dive into it. So maybe there's something more going on there. but. Yeah, I, I read that, and I just haven't really been able to put those two together, like the the his little fluff piece versus the the mystic defense. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I think maybe it's also a, a bit of like they they have so many characters that have like weaker mystic defenses that maybe maybe they're just like, hey, let's let's just give this five threat character some not mystic weaknesses because we have characters with that already. I guess I don't know. He's too dumb to be affected by it. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, you, you mentioned Ulick and everyone looking up the character and all that stuff. And I find this to be very interesting in that, you know, Ulick is a very classic character. He's an old Thor villain. The rock trolls are very old within the Marvel continuity. And it's just funny to me to see a character that modern audiences have very little connection to being introduced into this game and it's one of those things where i know that there's definitely some snark out there and i'm guilty of being snarky as well for saying like who the heck is this character and why are they in my game but but i do think it's interesting and it speaks to the like maybe everyone's gonna get their favorite character in this game by having a character like ulick be in this game you know what i mean I definitely agree. I, I think going for Ulick definitely shows that there is a lot of love on the side of the AMG designers on here. Uh, and they are they are willing to do these deep dives. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, 100%. So, Leland, let's talk about these attacks. All right. So we got his, uh, his first attack, which is a physical attack called Pounders. It's range two, six dice for zero power. It is a builder attack, so you're going to gain power equal to damage dealt. And then it has a wild push uh, of size four, and you may push it sh uh, short away or small away. Nice. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, a, a, a six dice with a push. I love it. I, I, I'm I do here have to for it. Correct you just a little bit, Leland. It's after the attack is resolved, size four or less may push it, not away. It's not a way. It's omnidirectional. Omnidirectional Ooh, push. I like that even more now. Yes. Yes. I mean. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's super good. It's super good. I love it so much. Like any any bit of control that isn't limiting is one thing that I just absolutely love. And when we see an attack like this, that's these six dice. It's only range two. But then you add in that element of control. I mean, that potentially, like, if you're at that edge of range two when you use this attack on someone, say, like Venom, as an example, pushing him short will get him out of range for his clapback. So it also means if you're punching someone like Toad with Slippery and, and they try to move away, you can push him back towards you. Oh, yeah. Oh, that little dadgum Toad, dude. You just had to bring up Toad, didn't you? He knows what he did. Mm-hmm. Oh, no doubt about that. But, uh, he gets the Helios laser every time. He should. 
and he should. Speaking of Helios lasers, if y'all haven't checked it out, there was an epic Helios laser in the final for LVO. Oh my goodness, so good. It, it was great. Hulk took took what like a champ, took it like a champ, but uh, unfortunately it wasn't quite enough. And I got to say, if it had uh, been different, I think that that game goes differently. It's, it's great. Go check out uh, the Professional Casual Network over there. They, um, they'll have that video up on their YouTube soon, I think. But that was an epic final, so check that out. So, yeah, uh, I don't think there's much more to say about Pounders until a little bit later. What's the next attack, Leland? So next up, we have another physical attack, Shatter Mountains, Shatter Bones. It's range two, nine dice for five power. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains Stagger special condition. So what Stagger is, for those who don't know, is the first action a character takes when they have a Stagger uh, token on them, they have to shake that Stagger. So it uh, basically it messes up your action economy. Uh, and then there is a trigger here for a crit, wild, hit, and skull. You have shatter. After the attack is resolved, instead of inflicting the stagger special condition, if the target character does not have an activated token, you may give it an activated token. Oh, yeah. So, assuming they're still standing after a nine dice attack. Exactly. It's funny when they do stuff like this, like... The Iron Fist as an example, this attack as another example. It, it When they have all these special rules on here, and it's like, this is great for going into a character like Malekith or something, right? Like these big characters that you're not going to take down in one swing, because then being able to give them that stagger, give them that activated token, really changes things for those characters. Whereas using this attack on when? It's not going to net you anything because you're probably just going to delete her. Yeah, and and I think exactly, uh, especially with where the meta is right now, where we've seen a lot of late turn activations for you know Hulk and Thanos and everything like that, being able to sneak in uh, a stagger or even an activation on them before they've had a chance to move in and you know reposition half the board, that that's potentially very strong. Yeah, and, and that's where I think this attack is really going to shine is into those big boys into the the Thanoses of the world Dormammu if you play into Dormammu something like that you know just using this if you really need it gotta have it it's late in the game and you need to just like all right I need to make sure something either dies or doesn't activate or at least has weakened action economy sure play this it's it's not it's not gonna be a bad choice into a lower threatening and i don't mean just like threat value in that way i mean like a lower threatening model it's not gonna be a bad choice when it can potentially win you the game keeping their action economy at bay but i'm just saying be prepared to just delete things with something like this and look it is it's nine dice and we've talked about this before leland seven is a sweet spot so you know you're gonna whiff on these oh yeah yeah for sure yeah because he doesn't have any dice manipulation spoiler alert <laughs> i mean I, he'd be busted if he did yes yes he would so okay. in total with these attacks i mean are these interesting to you is there like i feel like these are kind of like they're good and you know six dice but they're both physical the shatter attack is really nice but it's, it's probably more 
corner case uses. Like you're not going to use that as much as you're going to use the pounders. And um, like I feel like we've had five threats with a more interesting attack kit, right? Yeah, I, I think Ulick is very much in the bruiser category. He knows what he wants to do, and he, he's going to be he's going to be played that way. Uh, I, I think he's a very straightforward character in that in that regard, and I think that's fine. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think that as we go through these superpowers, we'll understand a little more about Ulick, but uh, I think these attacks are fine. Just understand that he's going to be beating things up and repositioning things pretty well with the Pounders, I think. And I think that he's not going to be pumping out the damage that other characters might all the time, but I think he's going to have a real big impact based on just the attacks here. Let's hop into these superpowers. So, first up is an active superpower, so that means it has to be on Ulick's turn. Bad manners. It's going to cost you three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size four or less and within range two and throw it medium. This superpower can be used only once per turn. Size four terrain throw, definitely nice. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it, we've seen this before. We always enjoy when we see it. It's always lovely to see that medium size throw on there as well. Absolutely. I think that's the thing that stands out on this superpower is the fact that you get to throw it medium, so it's pretty good range on that big base, or medium base. It's medium base. I do think it's interesting that it's just terrain. I would have figured a, a five-threat character might have had a character throw in there as well, um, either on one of his attack triggers or a superpower. Uh, so I was a little surprised to actually see that that actually missing from Ulik. Yeah, I'm with you on that, because when you look at like Pounders having the push... And then Shatterbones just being really great and all that stuff. But it's it's interesting because I feel like that with Pounders being an omnidirectional push, if you give him a throw on top of that, especially a medium throw at that, oh boy, that gets pretty gross. Oh, for sure it does. And I'm not saying I'm I'm disappointed that I don't see that character throw. I think that actually is uh, it's a it's a good omission to have for a character like this. I'm just surprised is all. What you're saying is your favorite character, Ulick, is not living up to the hype. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's right there, right up next to Guardian. Yeah, definitely right there. And that's that's the Guardian of the Alpha Flight, right? Of course. Is there any other team that matters? No, definitely not. Only the Fantastic Four. They matter. Who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they don't exist in this MCP universe yet. Nope. All right. So next superpower we have here is another active superpower. Crushing Leap. It's going to cost you three power and an action. This is interesting. This character makes a short advance. Then this character is placed within range two of itself. Then this character may make a pounder's attack. So, yeah, there's a lot going on here. And what this means is you're going to move short, place within two, so that is longer than a medium move, just so you know. Then you get to do a pounder's attack. This is wild. Actually, I saw a diagram of this somewhere. Isn't the, the, move, sh uh, the move short with the 
the range two place on the medium base doesn't that come to a little bit more than a long uh, a long move? I'm not sure on the exact range on it. If I'm being honest, I'm pretty sure it's close to that on the medium base because you got to think the the medium base is getting you basically two thirds of a of a range two tool. If you think about it like that, I'm not sure the exact measurements, but I wouldn't be surprised if this you know is basically I, a long move. I, I actually found the diagram here that somebody put together. Yeah, that that actually amounts to more than a long move. Uh, by it looks like about an full oh, geez, an inch or so. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. And uh, I mean, I guess we're in the big boys with fast feet meta right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think this one's going to sneak up on people, too, because of that place, too, that's on it as well, because it means he's going to be able to bypass uh, a lot of terrain. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's <laughs> it's going to be sneaky, deceptively good. Right, and it does cost you an action, but, like, thank goodness it does, because this is crazy. And one of the things I think that's interesting about this is when you do that short advance, I'm going to remind people, this is a, a very unusual interaction here but you can't climb with that short advance so you will be able to move over anything that's size three or less but if he's trying to go over a size four piece of terrain he would only be able to do that with the placement part not the short advance part so keep that in yeah. mind i think a place two is enough to get you over like the the mcp trucks like the the dump truck and the and the that tanker the fuel truck oh nice like if you're I right up on it yeah, I, I think it, I think it's enough to get him over it. Like if your rate if your uh, if your rate up against it, the two might be enough. I think if I recall correctly. That's cool. Well, yeah. So it's just one of those like probably not going to come up often, but when it does, it definitely matters. So don't let people climb over size four stuff. <laughs> Can we also point out that this isn't once per turn? Oh yeah. Wait a second. That's a bit of text that's missing, Leland. Well. Yeah. To be fair, it's twice per turn. <laughs> to be fair. Yes, to be fair. To be fair. Uh, but that that is, I think this is the first guy who effectively has two charges per turn. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, that's really wild. And when you think about, again, the distance he's going to be covering, the pounders being a omnidirectional push of size four or less, power equal to damage dealt, then if you line it up right, getting into a throw situation there with bad manners, I mean, this is pretty pretty spicy. Like I said, he knows what he wants to do, and he is going to do it. Yeah, he wants to pound on people. So we have another superpower here. It is innate, so he always has this active. During the power phase, this character gains one additional power. We've talked a lot about special conditions and stuff on this show recently, but just as a reminder, if he is stunned he would only get the one power. So that's that's one little weird interaction that stun does that most people tend to forget about. And then the final innate superpower we have here is Trollhide. When this character would suffer damage, reduce the amount suffered by one to a minimum of one. So yeah, I mean, he's already pretty beefy and then he's reducing damage. I mean, what's not to love here about Ulick? He's got a lot going for him. Uh, I do think it's very interesting that he has no status immunities. Yes. Uh, I'm very happy by that, but, uh, you know, it's it's interesting to see that he he's going to be very susceptible to 
the stuns and the shocks and the incinerates of the game. Definitely. And I think that it's one of those things where when we look at these guys that have the damage reduction and, and they have this, this mobility and this crazy beat up potential, like you said, though, being able to throw those conditions onto them, I think is really going to be the difference in the game for characters like this. And I still don't feel like, I don't know about you, but I still don't feel like that there is a strong condition game yet. Like I think Baron Strucker Hydra is the closest we have to like the condition game. I, I'm inclined to agree with that. I, I think the conditions themselves, there there's no leadership that really takes the most advantage of them just yet. Um, outside of Strucker, as, as you pointed out. So it's kind of a shame. I, I still think that's the design space. I'd like to see them work around more. Yeah. And, and I think that it's a, a function of consistency with application is, is I think the, the issue, if you will. So look at a character like Pyro as an example. I think he's one of the most consistent characters at getting conditions out there. And funnily enough, it's not even the incinerate condition. It's the root and slow condition. <laughs> so... I think that that's where the condition game starts to break down a little bit. But if you want to talk about doing something to a character that I think is really interesting, rooting a character like Eulick here, I think would be huge. It'd be, you know, making Crushing Leap cost four power, Bad Manners cost four power. I think Eulick's going to have power for days. It, in my humble opinion, I think that when you start to turn with two power, like Trollish Temper will, and then... If you are able to advance R&D him another power to get Crushing Leap online turn one, you're probably going to be able to get three power from your pounders if you're able to, to have a good target for Crushing Leap. Yeah, I think I don't think he's going to be power starved at all because uh, I don't even think you absolutely need to use Crushing Leap twice a turn either, right? Like unless you're really chasing after someone. Uh, I think a lot of the time you're going to be able to use it once, get the power off the pounder's attack, and then you're going to be sitting on two, three, maybe four power that, you know, maybe you save up for the next turn for another crushing leap, or you're in position to do a bad manners. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I think that his play pattern is going to be less about multiple crushing leaps, even though when you do that, it's going to be nasty, uh, and more about the kind of, Building up, and, and I think what, what's going to be interesting is Ulick, to me, looks like a character that is jump in, beat on somebody, jump out. More so than, like, jump in, beat on somebody twice, and just stay there and take it. Yeah, I, I think the really scary thing with him is that he's going to be able to, in those there's going to be instances where he is going to be able to crush and leap twice, and what he's going to do is he's going to, like, crush and leap to get to one position, get the power off the attack, funnel it into a crushing leap, and then threaten your back line. Your, you know, your rockets yes. of the world that are just sitting on one of your home objectives, right? Yes. And that's another thing that you mentioned, like the rockets of the world where they're just sitting there chilling and stuff like that. Like if you are able to crushing leap into rocket and then Groot standing there, he's like, nah, you're going to hit Groot instead. Pounders could potentially push Groot away from rocket and then you're just making that little rat a wet streak on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I think the biggest challenge a lot of people are going to have when it comes to Ulik 
is not so much playing into him, but I think a lot of people uh, who are less reserved or more reserved than, than me in some cases uh, might not leave Conan behind and they might run him too far forward, leave him exposed to, to get just focused down by the other team, right? Because I think that's a very real threat that uh, that Ulik has. Absolutely. And and I think that when we're, we're looking at Ulik here, we have another character that I think is deceptive in when you want to activate him, right? And, and that's one of the things that we haven't talked about a lot recently on the podcast is like activation order and stuff. And you mentioned earlier, you know, the the Thanoses of the world, the Hulk of the world, sitting there activating them late or last so that they can have a big impact turn. We don't know where Ulick's going to be affiliated. I would assume maybe Asgard. I don't know, though. Like... I don't, I mean, I'm sure he's teamed up with Asgard in the past and stuff like that, but, but I know he was an Asgard villain at one point. So I don't know where he's going to be affiliated. We have no idea, but I will say though, wherever he is affiliated. And even if you're trying to think about splashing him, thinking about like, okay, I've got Rhino, I've got Ulick, I've got Thanos, I've got Hulk, I've got all these different characters that maybe want to activate later and I think Ulick fits that mold of a character that wants to activate a little later in the turn most of the time so that he can get those repositions on people and reposition himself. And I think that we're we're kind of like muddying the waters a little bit and and putting the mental load of like, okay, well, can I activate Ulick here and still get the value out of him? Yeah, I, I think that I think that's absolutely right. Cause I think if you activate him too early you run the risk of just powering up the other team. Uh, like if you're unable to like finish, finish the job off on anyone. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, letting, letting the other guys tech pieces or aggressive pieces get into a position that Ulla can then threaten is, is probably the name of the game with him. So I, I see him kind of as a mid round activation. Yeah. Like let it, let a couple of activations. Like I think he would be really nice into some slightly wider teams. So like, you know, let, let maybe two or three activations go through and maybe you're sitting there with like four wide, your opponent has five or six wide and, and you're able to then say, okay, cool. Well now you can go and beat up on the people that have already activated and, and, and maybe do things that way. Because that's another thing with him having physical attacks, race for impact is everywhere. So you have to account for that with bad manners, all that stuff. I think that his ability to just delete things will be a little lower than what you might expect. But I think having a character like a Baron Mordo that can hang around with him and stuff like that is going to be really nice. And and there's ways to kind of get him what he needs to finish the job. I think playing him in like a Shadowlands criminal syndicate will be absolutely awesome. Yep. Yeah, uh, allowing him to get those rerolls when threatening... Uh, characters contesting or holding objectives. I'm right there for it. Yeah, yeah. And that brings up a conversation, Leland, of, again, we don't know the affiliations, but where do you see Ulick fitting in? Uh, you know what? I like him as a splash in Midnight Suns. Quite a bit, actually. You know, I'm right there with you. I think that he splashes very okay. well into Midnight Suns. And why do you feel that way? Uh, so two reasons. One, I think Midnight Suns is lacking that really tough anchor piece. 
for the game. Like you look at their you look at their other five threats that that are in it, like Ghost Rider, Strange, and everything like that. They're solid, but they don't. They're kind of all rounders. I don't feel that they really give out enough damage, or they they're really defensive enough. Uh, but they're they're great support pieces. Uh, I think Olik coming in here first off with the additional power gain means that he's always going to have bump online, uh, which is great because you know there are there are instances where you know a, a turn is really decided literally by millimeters. Uh, mm-hmm. But having having seven stamina on both sides, having that defensive stat line, and having the damage reduction means that you can reliably get him into a position, push some people around to set up a siege turn maybe. Uh, and he's going to be able to take a couple activations of of beatback as a, in exchange for it. Yeah, I definitely like him there. To your point, the the biggest thing for me is his the having bump online right away, right off the rip, and I think that's really strong. And then as we get into the tactics cards that we're going to talk about and stuff, being in an affiliation where you have a Wong sitting right there is likely to be there and saying, okay, cool, here, have a power. Now, this tactics card that you have is online. Also, Crushing Leap online turn one, I think is a very strong position that Midnight Suns, having played them just recently, they they struggle with, like, turn one aggression. So t- tell me, Will, with uh, if you had Wong as well to put him at uh, three power for turn one, between Bump and his medium movement, could you theoretically get two hammers on him in one activation? Maybe. Um, I would have to. I mean, yes, you'd have to just do two moves to go. So you get the one right in front of you, like so. You basically position him in the middle, yeah. and then yeah, you would have to get the one right in front of you with the bump. And then you could go get one of the side ones with two moves. But the interesting thing is there, you could probably do a, like you give him that third power, you could do an eyes on the prize play with that also. And get two hammers that way. That's probably the more efficient way of doing it because then you're only using one move action probably. Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, let me see it's been a while since I've done it. You, I think you still have to use both moves because you can you can position him on the side instead of right in front on the middle there. And you can say, okay, I'm going to play eyes on the prize, move up to the side one, get it, and then move kind of back towards that middle one, the one that you're closer to, and, and grab that one with the second eyes on the prize uh, interaction there. But I feel like if you're going to do something like that, you might as well just have a character like a strange supreme who natively has three power on a 50 millimeter base that can kind of do that a little i don't well is, I, I was just thinking because he has that that great defensive stat line right like yeah. you can pick up a couple of hammers and he's going to be able to take the blowback for it yeah and and how i play on something like that is if i'm going for a two hammer play i want to be as safe as possible and so i would probably think about it going in the side and then back to my home one and then setting up for turn two. And it's like, okay, cool. Based on the secure, like let's assume the secure is something, uh, let's say like sword base or deadly meteors, something like that that's not going to run away with points. You can say, okay, cool. I'm going to take this two hammers here. And if you don't go get the other one on the side, I'm going to take that one too. 
Now, mm -hmm. the 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 flip side of that is if you line up Ulick on one side or the other, then you you're telegraphing. You're telegraphing. So placing him in the middle is the best place for it, but you're gonna have to spend two actions regardless to go get those hammers, even if you do play eyes on the prize. So think about Which that. I, th I think early game that's not really a big detriment. I think a lot of the first turn is usually just positioning anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And then imagine like going into going into round two, all of a sudden you now have an eight dice pounder attack. Exactly. And I will say this. Don't do that when there's a Thanos on the board because no. <laughs> he will kidnap you and those hammers will belong to him. <laughs> Although I'd, I'd be interested to see how well Ulick stands up to a Thanos uh, activation. Well, I mean, if you think about it, right, you're you're rolling four defense dice with Ulick. Thanos is going to be rolling. Let's assume he does not have a hammer, but. Let's be honest, he has a hammer. So if we're playing hammers, let's just imagine we're playing hammers, right? So he's going to have at least one. So he'll be rolling a seven dice physical attack with a wild throw on it. That's a before damage throw. And you're going to probably be hit at least once, maybe twice. And then you got to think about the fact that you're likely to not have priority. If someone's playing Thanos, they probably are going to be maintaining priority. Okay. So, so you're going to be taking three seven potentially six maybe seven dice attacks if you're playing hammers each of them having a wild throw opportunity i don't think you look stands up to that i'd love to see him try though absolutely it'd be fun it'd be it'd be like come at me bro you know maybe this is the answer to the thanos meta maybe it is but with that being said, I I do like where this is going, Leland, and um, I think even if you don't give him that power and you don't play eyes on the prize, like I don't think you have to play eyes on the prize here. I, I want to be very clear there. That's just something I like to do personally. I like eyes on the prize. I think it's a it's a nice card. But it, if if you don't want to use an extra tactics card, getting two hammers on Ulick turn one is very much doable. You just have to make sure you yeah. position it right to where you can go get that second one. Yeah, and it, put, and it puts you in a very good aggressive position, um, especially for Midnight Suns. It gives you some momentum, which I think they they desperately need yes. uh, to really work well. Uh, so yeah, I'd I'd love to see a try. Yes, I'm I'm right there with you. And real quick, the last thing I want to talk about when we when we mention Ulick's card, I mentioned how nothing changes on his injured side. That's not exactly true. The one thing that changes is this amazing card art. <laughs> <laughs> like this is some of the best injured side card art I've ever seen in this game. No, I haven't actually taken a good close look at it yet. Let's see here. All right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty fantastic. It's baller. That's baller. And what's crazy about this one is it's like, he's definitely, I mean, if that's not a wrestling pose, I don't know what is, but, uh, it's really awesome because a lot of times you see on the injured side art, they're like really beat up and, you know, bloody and scratched up and all that stuff. Like he might have scratches on it, but there's like no blood or anything like that. It doesn't even look like he's been in a fight. It looks like he's just literally jumping through a rock to beat the hell out of you. Yep. Yeah, I totally see that. Yeah. Like it's just awesome. I just, I love that. That is some of the best card art in the game. So. Let's now talk about these tactics cards that come with Beta Ray Bill and Ulick here. And Leland, let's start with the one that is for Ulick, since we're talking about him right now. And uh, will you go over that, please? Yeah, I'm just scrolling down to it right now. My my potato is being slow. 
So let's see. For 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 anyone who knows me on Discord, I, I refer to my computer as a potato all the time. It is definitely uh, a potato. Yeah. Uh so we have Rock and Troll. So this is an unaffiliated active card. So Ulik may spend three power to play this card. Ulik drops all objective tokens he is holding, then plays Ulik within range five of his current position. Wow. Okay. So and uh, I, I'm just gonna say ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> this is nutty. He, he he he's basically gamma launching himself. Yes. <laughs> like what what this card is insane. This, really suits y'all. Gotta, I gotta understand. This card is insane. For a lot of reasons. So the fact that it costs three means you have to do some work to get it active turn one. Put him in Dormammu. Maybe you play him in A-Force, Brotherhood. Anywhere that can get him that extra power before he activates on turn one is going to make this awesome. But the fact that this is an unaffiliated card. So another... Interesting thing about this. It does not have to be his turn for him to play no, this. No, sir, it does not. <laughs> like, what the heck? I I absolutely love this. Uh, I love that they had the foresight to have him drop all the objective tokens he's holding as well. I, I think that's really nice. Because, um, I mean, it would just be busted otherwise if he just goes, collects a whole bunch of tokens, and then just, you know, yeets himself out of the oh, out, out of contention, right? Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, like I, I love having this. If if you have this in your squad, the other player is always going to have to be playing around this. There is no question about it whatsoever. Well, you, it's funny that you say that, Leland. How do you play around this? Because when I read this card, I'm like, there is no getting away. Really? Well, and that's exactly it. And that's what I'm saying. You you always have to be mindful of it. You have to be playing with this card in mind, knowing that at some point you are going to get a rock troll right up in your grill. Yeah. Right. So you have you have to be prepared for it. You have to you have to be able to deal with it. And I I do think that with how popular characters like Juggernaut and Rhino are, I think we're getting to a point where players are coming around to that. We're getting used to having that that big chunky boy uh, get right up in her face. Uh, yeah. though this one is going to catch people off guard, I think. We're I think not going to think right. about it until it hits us in the face. I think this is one where if you're playing Ulick, this is in your squad. I think there's a very strong argument for it. I don't know if it always makes the squad with Ulick. Uh, I think a lot of it depends on what scenario you're running. Uh, if you're running something that's very light on, uh, on extract tokens... I, I think absolutely this makes it no no questions asked. Uh, if you're running something with a lot of extract tokens, you might want to leave it at home because you might be collecting a whole bunch, right? Well, so that's interesting. I actually think it's good regardless because what this does is it says to your opponent, anywhere you go with those objective tokens is not safe. And And you try to run away, you try to go be in a corner... And, and score your points or whatever, we'll have a rock troll to the face. And I think it's more about like, okay, cool. He's dropping the objectives that he's holding. Unless it's hammers, you really, okay. Like you can just not get objectives with him or maybe play the secure game with him and say like, okay, I need to go flip a sword base with you. Like, cool. I need to, you know, flip a, a meteor 
origin bomb. I need to to go get a spider portal or or whatever else. So just whatever other thing. And I think what this does is it says, okay, cool. Ulick's not going to play the objective game, the extract objective game right away. But like if you come to the midline, you're going to get two pounders to the face. Oh, yeah, and I, I definitely don't disagree with you on there. I, I think there's just a little bit more nuance to it than simply, you know, rock troll goes flying across the table, right? Yes, I, I do agree that there's nuance <laughs> to this, but I, and I think that it's one of those things where when I read this card, the ability to reposition a character range five, whether or not they are holding objectives, it feels really good. And it's one where if I'm taking Ulick Personally, if I'm taking Ulick in my squad, this card is 95% of the time going to be in a squad where Ulick is there. And I think that's an interesting thing, Leland, is that we only can take five tactics cards. We can only take five. And a character like Ulick having such a good tactics card, we're in this world now where the tactics cards choices that you make when you bring your squad are really tough so i i just just to continue this conversation like i i want to compare it to gamma launch in this case because i i think it's kind of interesting that you know you you feel this card is is almost a near auto taken there gamma launch which does something relatively similar like admittedly it's not yeeting hulk across the table but it's still it's for three power it is it is tossing a character uh, uh range five across the board mm -hmm. uh much like much like rock control they're dropping their asset or civilian tokens that they might have uh or rather sorry they, they can't be holding it to even be targeted right it's a very it's a very similar effect but we don't really see gamma launch everywhere so I, I don't know. I, it's, it's just, I look at the two, I see I see them very similar, and the only thing I really see on Rock Control that makes that one better is that it's launching Ulic, right? I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. So, there's two things that happen on Gamma Launch that make it not as good, and whereas okay. if, if these conditions weren't here, we would see this a lot more often. As, as we did when, when BDT was a thing, Gamma Launch, Hulk, and Thor were a thing. And and this is this card got changed specifically because that was a pretty pretty powerful opening turn. So during Hulk's activation, that's condition number one that makes this a worse card than Rock Control. Note, Rock Control does not have to be used during Ulix activation. It is just an active card. So as long as it is, let's say you're playing Ulic, it is during your active turn, but it does not have to be Ulic's turn to use this card. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And that, that is a big caveat on the, on the card. It's a for huge sure. caveat. Second caveat is that it's Hulk throws somebody else. So they, whoever he throws just has to sit there and take it potentially. Let's assume that it's something that is, uh, you know, maybe if it's you've got two activations left, Hulk being one of them, then whoever Hulk throws, maybe they're not going to be getting beat up too much. But it doesn't really change the nature or the board state that much, depending on uh, there's a lot that could go on like this. There's a lot of caveats, but it's throwing somebody else. Whereas with this card, with Ulick, you can 
launch Ulick to the middle of the board, activate him, beat people up a little bit, and really change the board state. If you think about Pounders with its reposition, his own ability to reposition after doing this, where it's one of those things where I think it's just a playstyle difference between the two. And when Hulk is spending three power to gamma launch somebody else, that means he's not gamma leaping himself, right? Because the, the gamma leap costs you power. You want to be able to move and, and gamma leap and punch, punch, throw. Like that's, that's the pattern that you want to have with Hulk as much as possible. So, oh yeah, no, I, I, I totally recognize that. And I, and I do acknowledge that rock control is better than gamma launch. I, I won't, I won't try to die on that hill. I think that's, oh, that's the that's hill you're trying to die, to die on. Leland. It sounds like it to me. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I just, like I said, it, I think it's a very good card. I just don't know if it's an automatic, I, I don't know. I, I think I would always want to look at the board state first, uh, before going into a game when I'm in the squad building thing and and decide okay you know what is this card going to do for me this game that you know a patch up or a brace or you know a, a fallback or something like that like what will one of those cards do for me that this one won't and vice versa that's fair i mean i would never take this over brace that that's just let's just call that right now <laughs> but uh, no, i think that would be a bad play but <laughs> yeah definitely I, I think what this does and at least how i see it it's not it's not about like the defensive nature of it or anything like that. Like you're not trying to run away with Ulick with something like this. What this does to me is it it just turns that aggression up to eleven, right? And if you're playing a squad that's got a character like Ulick in it, you're probably playing fairly aggressive and you're probably using Ulick as a reposition tool, something like that. And I think that that's what this does for me is it says, okay, cool. I'm coming at you. I'm coming at you. And, and you don't know when I'm going to do it. Maybe it's going to be turn one. Maybe it's not going to be turn one, but I'm coming at you. And I think for something like this, where as long as your opponent isn't just like turtling up on their deployment line, then you're going to have an opportunity to jump to the middle of the board, beat people up, take their objectives off of them, or maybe even get another objective somehow, right? Like if you can get another power, you can get another objective. And I mean, there you go. You know what I mean? Like, I think this is a strong, like opening objective play. Like if you're able to jump, grab, move back and then say, okay, now you come to me, you come to the rock troll. You know, if, if there's a way to do that. I definitely think that there's there's some interesting plays behind this card. I'm, I'm just thinking of this very disgusting play now, where like, you know, you pair Ulick and and Hulk together. You have <laughs> uh, you have Hulk gamma launch Ulick across the board. Ulick then you know punch punch punch, and then he rock controls all the way back to your home line. Oh my gosh, yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. That would be that would be so <laughs> much fun. I love it. I love it. So, uh, Leland, now let's talk about Brothers in Arms. This is an unaffiliated active card. It is Thor, Odin's son, and Beta Ray Bill may spend one power each to play this card. While within range two of each other this round, the characters that played this card gain the superpower shown below. It is an innate superpower, the Worthy. This character may not be advanced, thrown, or placed by enemy effects. Additionally, this character adds three dice to all energy attacks that it makes. 
That's pretty spicy. It just makes me sad that the only attack that Thor benefits uh, with that extra energy dice is his God of Thunder, which is an okay attack. Yeah, no, God of Thunder's <laughs> terrible. We can say it. It's cool. It, 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 and it's also going to hurt Beta Ray Bill if he uses it <laughs> within range two. Exactly. I think it's more about the not being advanced thrown placed, but then Beta Ray Bill being able to say, okay, cool, let me uh, just hit you with this the Stormbreaker, the Summon the Storm or whatever it's called on there no you're you're absolutely right that that is the big appeal of it the the three the three energy dice is just kind of a, a bonus in, in that particular case exactly so yeah i think with this tactics card leland there's really not much more to say other than it's cute i don't see myself playing it very often but it's still still nice like if you have both these characters on the tabletop it could be a fun one to put out there yeah, I, I think my biggest concern with this card is mostly the stipulation of well within two of each other this round. Yeah. Um, that that's going to be a hard one to always make sure that you're you're doing. Right, uh, it means that you're you're basically rooted to a certain position. So maybe like on a gamma or a uh, uh, or a demon's downtown or something like that, where you really need to hold a position, you're going to see some use in it. But yeah, it, it's it's very narrow use, I think. Definitely, and the final thing I'll say about it is the fact that Thor always wants to be for Asgarding, so the fact that you're saying, nope, Thor, you got to stay right here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So unless there's like a big scrum where you are, yeah, you're moving all over the place. Yep. And the last one, Leland, what is it? Scuttlebutt on me. So this one is an unaffiliated reactive card. When an allied Beta Ray Bill or allied Scourge the Executioner makes an attack during their activation... After the attack is resolved, the attacking character may spend any amount of power to play this card. The attacking character immediately performs the attack listed above, targeting the original character. So the attack in question is an energy attack called Tech Support. Range 5, 2 dice for 0 power. This attack ignores line of sight, and the defending character does not benefit from cover. You add attack dice to the attack roll equal to the power spent to play this card. And after the attack is resolved, if it dealt damage, the character that played the card may throw the target character short. Oh, that's pretty nice. For a potential third attack that you can buff up if you happen to have a lot of power that includes a throw, uh, yeah, yeah, I like this a lot. Yeah, and that's the thing with this attack, is it does not count as an action. This is uh, basically like a cruelty-style attack where you just get to do this. After Beta Ray Bill or Scourge has done an attack, boom, all of a sudden we get tech support. And yeah, range five. And realistically, let's just realistically, any amount of power spent. So you're going to want to spend, I'd say, three to five power most of the time is, is kind of yeah. what I think of. And when you do something like this, you have to think it to yourself. What am I going to not be able to do? Am, am I going to not be able to throw with Beta Ray Bill this turn in order to do Scuttlebutt on me? Stuff like that. Those are the thoughts that you have to have in your head. But being able to do another six, five, seven dice attack, however many dice you want to add to it, being able to, to do that and then say, okay, cool, if I get damage through, there's a throw short. That's pretty and spicy. And let's also point out, it is a size unrestricted throw. Exactly. 
So, yeah, so you're going into, say, Sentinels or Juggernaut or Malkith or something like that. You can throw them with this. That's exactly it. So I guess my next question, Leland, is are you taking this when you're playing Beta Ray Bill or Scourge, or if they're both there, do you feel like this is a viable card to include in your squad? Uh, I think it's definitely an interesting one. I think there's a little bit more planning that has to go into it if you want to bring it in. Uh, I do view it very much like uh, Criminal Syndicate's uh, Cruelty that you you did mention. That if you are going for something a little bit more aggressive, having that that extra attack, especially at range 5, can be very beneficial. Um, I, I think it's definitely an interesting, uh, interesting card. I don't think it's bad. Uh, I don't think it's a must-take, though, either. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think it's one where I just think it's really situational in... It's a great card. This is a, a great card. I want to be sure to mention that. But especially on a character like Beta Ray Bill, who's got that range two Stormbreaker, and then he's got the range four Summon the Storm, and Summon the Storm is going to cost you two power to hit anyway. So, like, if you're using this after following up, like, following it up after a Stormbreaker and you've got that extra power, and you don't plan on doing a throw or something, sure, I think this makes a lot of sense. But it's also, you know, when you look at a character like Scourge, and what he's going to be doing, you know, he's got his range 2 battle axe, range 3 executioner costs him 4 power, so again, you're probably doing this when you're already at range 2 on somebody, and it has to target that original character. So a character like Scourge is probably not going to be doing this at range 5. You know what I mean? I think I missed that it had to target the original character. Yeah. That's that, that's the... that does yeah, that changes my opinion a little bit on that one. Uh like I think it's still I think it's still very interesting, but yeah, it definitely makes it a lot more uh yeah. Hmm. That actually really does limit the the range five aspect of it. I, that seems very odd. Yeah. It's but... <sighs> I think it's for like if you summon the storm and then follow it up with that maybe or, or something. I'm not exactly sure, but I feel like it's one of those things uh, where it's like it's cool. And if you're playing very casually and even competitively like this, this can swing a turn, you know, being able to get a free attack can matter. But when we talked about with Ulick and Rock and Troll, how valuable some of these tactics card slots become, I feel like that this one, while being a free attack is nice, it is somewhat limiting. And again, being restricted to the two characters who, by and large, are going to already be at range two, the fact that it ignores line of sight, whatever... Like, the defending character doesn't benefit from cover. I mean, the only character that's going to benefit from cover in the first place at these close ranges would be Rocket. So, it, it's it's interesting. Yeah, like, I, I'm looking over both their cards, and honestly, the only situation I see using this card, really, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me, and let's be honest, it's going to be a, at least a three-power card, as we've discussed, is maybe if you do a God Hunter and you fail to take out your target... And after the after you throw them away, this allows you to target them again at the range. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, no, I I totally missed that. You had to target the same uh, the same or the original target on that one, and that is very limiting. It's very limiting, and and it's one where I know a lot of people are very excited about it. And it is. It, I want to go ahead. And say, it is nice. It's a good card. It's nice, and being able to size unrestricted throw is is very nice. But it's one of those things where it still has to do the damage, so you still want to spend as much power as possible. So so yeah, it's it's one that it's cute. You know what I mean? Like we're we're on the is it cute yeah. or good train? I'm gonna go with cute. Yeah, no, I I, I think you're absolutely right on there. Uh, it, I mean, it doesn't change my opinion too much on it. Uh, it's still very situational, very cute, um, more fun I think than anything else. Exactly. So Leland, that's all we've got for Ulick and these tactics cards. And outside of Rock Control, there's nothing here that I feel like is really exceptional. Like I like. Scuttlebutt, I like Brothers in Arms, but I think Rock Control is an exceptional tactics card for Ulick, a very character-specific tactics card. But I like Ulick a lot. And uh, do you have any other like thoughts on these characters before we answer a couple of show questions? Uh, so I think I think both characters are going to be very interesting to see where they settle in the meta. I think Beta Ray Bill is a very splashable four. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I'm curious to see where Ulick is going to come down because, and I was having this discussion uh, the other day with uh, with my co-host Troop uh, as to you know if it comes down to like Ulick versus Juggernaut, who do you take? And I think I'm still leaning in the camp of like I find I think Juggernaut is probably a five threat that's still a little bit more versatile in what you what you want to do in the game. Um, Whereas Ulick is very much, you know, you bring him, you are going aggression. Yeah. Whereas like with, say, a Juggernaut, you can go in there, you can be aggressive with him. But because of nothing stops the Juggernaut, it also allows you to make some really cheeky objective plays as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I don't think Ulick is going to be, I don't think we're going to see him as often as Juggernaut. But I think when we do see him, he's going to be very impactful. Yeah, I think Ulick is one of those characters. He's going to be like your ninth or tenth character on a roster. Like, I think he's very good. I want to, you know, say this. He's very good. But I think when you look at, like you said, comparing him to a character like Juggernaut or even comparing him to a Rhino, which I think is a fair comparison, you have a character that is really good, really strong. But like you said, that versatility and. Uh, Rhino, as an example, is that much more mobile. Like, yes, Ulick is very mobile. Rhino does mobility without a tactics card, and then Rhino plays that objective game yeah. that much better too. With you know, robbing people. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's mugging Dormammu. Right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly, and then throw him um, away just for for giggles. <clears throat> oh man, I still love that image. I know, right? <laughs> you, you you've seen the you've seen the meme going around Dormammu. This is a robbery. <laughs> yes yeah that's a good one just absolutely great it's so Um, great but yeah so like yeah ulik is definitely definitely a a strong a strong card i think he's i don't think he's like a top tier five but i think he's definitely edging that top tier uh for it i think he's definitely higher up on the curve than a lot of other fives oh yeah no i i'm right there with you and it's it's interesting that we're talking about him as like being quote like it sounds like we're saying he's down right like it sounds like we're saying like oh he's not that good I think is is maybe how this could come across. I'm not saying that at all. I think Ulick is a great character. Being able to move short, place to pounders people is extremely good. I want to be very clear. It's an extremely oh, for sure. good. Yes. He's a very good character. 
but we already it's it's like a uh when you look at where the line is for like excellent versus maybe not as excellent and it's definitely like juggernauts the tip of the spear the five threats maybe arguably and and then when we've already got all these other characters out there that are five threat that are so strong you know no one's going to be kind of always right there you know what i mean so it's like i just find it really interesting <laughs> of when we talk about this character he's really good want to be very clear he's very 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 good and it's just yes interesting when you look at him in the context of the other five threats and i think when he's on the tabletop he's going to have an impact i really do Oh yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I just think with Ulik, you have to plan a little bit more with what you're going to do with him. Because, I mean, if if your aggression fails, he doesn't really have anything to fall back on, right? Yeah. And and I think that's why I kind of like a character like Juggernaut a little bit more. Um, so yeah, like I, I think you just have to, you have to craft your squad a little bit more if you're including Ulik, uh, as opposed to just uh, sort of like the, the scud missile that is that is Juggernaut. Yeah. Yep, very fair, very fair. So let's now go and get some show questions from our Discord, which if you're interested in checking out the House Party Protocol Discord, just check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol, where you can get access for as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year to the Discord channel of Awesome Town Great Times. I absolutely love it. It's a great, great place, and it's you know, it's, it's my favorite corner of the internet, if I'm being honest. Everybody's always really nice, really cool. You can go in there, ask questions about Marvel Snap. You can talk about Marvel Crisis Protocol, talk about painting, talk about different tactics, all kinds of stuff. And we're, we're going to be starting up talking about Star Wars Shatterpoint 2. So, like, it's going to be a whole thing. It's it's really great. I'm super excited for everything that's going on over there. And, uh, yeah, we got some show questions. So, first up, we have Rylan. This is a question for you, Leland. When will Aegis Brand get their own Discord, or will you be doing a combo Discord and join Will here? I guess that's for both of you, now that I think about it. That's a really great question, Leland, and I mean, that's obviously, you just recently launched a Patreon yourself, so make sure to go uh, give some love over there to everybody. It's it's a great, great thing to support other creators that uh, we really enjoy, so definitely do that, but this is a good question. Yeah, so I, I'm going to address the second part of that question first, and I'm just going to say, like, the the house party protocol Discord that is your house, Will. Like that is that that is that is your your little corner of the sky. So I mean, I I would never want to do anything to to take away from that for you, because um, your your Discord is super happy fun Discord, and it is one of two Discords that is uh, that is not muted on <laughs> on my personal list. Um, so yeah, so I, I think I'll address that one first. Uh, as for my own discord, honestly, it's, it's one of those things where if, if my followers and, and patrons want something like that, obviously, you know, it, it's easy enough to put one together. I've, I have no problem with that. Um, right now the following is still a little on the smaller side as far as the patrons go. And, uh, unfortunately YouTube doesn't allow for the best two way communication. So whether or not the YouTube supporters want to see that or not, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but it's definitely something on my radar. Yeah. Cool. Well, <laughs> I would say, uh, if you are a supporter of Leland's leave comments on videos, seeing if that's something that that you would be interested in something like that. If you're listening and you're, and you're not a patron of his, which is 
perfectly reasonable. But uh, yeah, I think YouTube comments would at least be a way to gauge some interest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Any, any way you can communicate, even if you just find me on other discords or on Facebook, I mean, I'm everywhere as HS brand studios, or you can, I even interact as my personal account quite a bit. Uh, so if you ever see like Leland Martell, that that's me like fire off messages to me. I, I will try to respond to everything that I see. There you go. Yeah. So next up, we've got two <laughs> questions from Brian Freddie. He says, we know that Schultze made his chonky boy list when Rhino came out. Does you deserve a slot in that roster? He might not be on a 65 millimeter base, but he certainly has the beef to him. And so, yes, in a way, like I think that the 65 millimeter base thing is part of the fun of the chonky boy list, if I'm being honest with you. So, so for me, I would say like, if I'm trying to do just all meme tier chonky boy and that's a boy with an eye, just so you know, that's how you, that's how you chonky boy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I would say no for the, I like the 65 millimeter base reason, but yes, because he's definitely beefcake in that way. Yeah. I, I think he gets an honorable mention. Exactly. Yeah. He's the 11th character. Yeah. 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 He's uh yeah. He, he's the, he's the 11th member of the band. Exactly. So Brian <laughs> Freddie has another question for us. It says, what's your a one anti X 23 tech asking for a friend. Uh, Leland, I'll let you take this one first. Just don't play against her. <laughs> That's fair. That's really fair. Uh, no, no. In in reality, uh, X23 is... The biggest threat from X23 is when she's actually able to get right up in your face, right? Yeah. So anything you can do to mitigate that. So if you can if you can uh, zerg her down with mystic attacks, because uh, she, she does not like those at all, uh, that goes a long way. Um, or if you can displace her, uh, it goes a long way. And... For the love of all that's good, if she's running with Honey Badger, don't punch Honey Badger. That's just going to get her in your face a lot more. Yes, exactly. They're, they're better, yeah. So I, I think I think it's very much about controlled reactions to X twenty three. I think if you're if you're going to be aggressive into her, make sure you put her down um, either before she gets a turn to activate uh, or you know, in a single activation before, before she does anything. Cause if you, if you let her keep standing with her healing factor, she is, she's just a pain to she deal is. with, especially in weapon X program. I've been playing a lot of her in weapon X lately. And you know, you give her the memory tokens. She has the, the, what is it? The assassins training mm -hmm. uh, rerolls. She's got healing factor, exceptional healing. She is obnoxiously hard to take down in weapon X. She really <laughs> is. She really really is and that's the thing is the anti x23 a1 steak sauce of anti x23 tech for me it's it's just as much mystic attacks as i can throw at her in that way but that's the thing not everyone's going to be playing the same stuff that i'm playing right like i i see x23 on the board as someone who's played a lot of convocation recently i'm like Cool, I got this. Because I've got Strange Supreme who has a range five mystic attack that he can do. It's going to cost him one power, but it's range five and it's going to roll six dice. I'm feeling pretty good about my chances. I might not take her down in one shot, but it's, it's the thing. You have to force your opponent that's playing X-23 to burn exceptional healing when they don't want to. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So you have one of two options to make that happen. 
you either do three out of five damage on the healthy side after she's activated. Definitely do it after she's activated. So, so you do try to get, you know, three out of five and then say, okay, cool. Now she's going to get an, uh, uh, have an opportunity to either you hit her again and then it's exceptional healing and that takes it down to one damage. So she's sitting there on one and then you have to find another way to get some damage into her or whatever. Or you burst damage her down in one shot, which I've done before, again, with mystic attacks. Burst her down in one shot. Then she's on her injured side. She wakes up. She's going to have her day in the sun. And then you just delete her again. And it's going to cost you three actions. So you have to figure out a way of like, how am I going to get this done? Because it's going to say one attack is going to eat up an exceptional healing and another attack hopefully kills her. If it doesn't, then you've got to do another attack. So this could cost you three actions, potentially two activations. It's a lot of value if you think about it when you're taking a character like maybe, like I said, a strange supreme into a three threat character. But it's it's well, one of those let's, things. Let's also be honest. X-23 punches well above her weight as well, right? Oh, absolutely. That's... Like, yeah. yeah, she she is like right on the verge of a four threat, in my opinion. She is very good. She is very good. Um, I think the thing that literally keeps her at a three threat is her lower defenses. I, I think the other part of this this story, though, is that you have to look at who is supporting her as well. Uh, yes. Because if, if you have the right pieces supporting her, either, you know, to add for dice fixing or additional dice or additional defense dice or something like that, like... Sometimes you have to make the calls like, okay, is she the threat or is the person supporting her the bigger threat, right? Absolutely. Like if if you have like, uh, say, a Zemo or a Mordo that's hanging around with X-23, maybe you want to take care of them first because they're a little bit squishier and, you know, it gets it, – it does tune down X-23 a little bit to where she might be a little bit more manageable for you. Yeah, that's a really good point is uh, getting rid of the friends. and And that's another thing with her is – if you can find a way to control her so that you can move her without attacking her and stuff like that, getting her displaced so that she's not going to be able to get in there with a claw rush or something like that is really nice as well. Like, and that's again, she's going to get hers. She's going to get a claw rush, but it's a question of, can I only make it, one claw rush instead of a claw rush claw slash frenzy situation. Right. You know, so, so finding those ways to control her, slowing her is very nice. Um, yeah. So it's one of those things like for me, it's my number one way to deal with her is just blast her with mystic attacks, but that's not for everybody because not everybody's going to have easy access to quality mystic attacks. Yeah, like I, I play a lot of shield as well, where I, I'm primarily physical, right? So I don't have a whole lot going for me with uh, with Mystic there. So I find the pushes are, are a big thing for me, like uh, bringing Iron Man on the table and just repulsor blasting her all day. Yeah. Like I will gladly do no damage against her if I'm getting that wild to just kind of push her away. Yeah. Like that that to me is value right there. Yeah, 100% agree with that. So, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's all we've got for show questions today. Uh, we definitely have more questions and I hope that you guys keep those coming and, uh, I'm going to try to be better about making sure we answer questions. It's just a timing thing a lot of the time and try not to, to make two hour long episodes, <laughs> but, uh, Leland, where can people find you? 
Yeah, so uh, people can find me on YouTube at HS Brand Studios. Uh, same for Facebook, Instagram, and now Patreon, which I'm very excited. I'm at the end of my first month for that one. Uh, yeah, so hit hit me up online if you if you see my name kicking around. I try to make my way around uh, uh, Twitch and the other Discords as well. Um, I try to to pop into to other people's games every so often. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just kind of everywhere. You are, man. You're everywhere, and it's awesome. And uh, I gotta say, I love, I love the content. Keep it up. It's really nice. Well, I you. enjoyed the new video you did about Rhino. I, I liked that a lot. That was really, it was very concise and um, casual, and I really liked that a lot. Yeah, I plan on doing, uh, plan on doing more of those. Going to try and keep up with the new releases as they, as they come out. Um, very, very fun thing. It gets me thinking a little bit more critically of, of the new characters as well. Uh, which I really like, and uh, because I approach it from a non-competitive standpoint, I think there's some value there for people who are just picking up and playing in their local metas. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. So, yeah, Suits, make sure to give Leland some love and follows over there. Uh, check out, like I said earlier, our Patreon, patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol, and you can come and join us over there. Do it. Do it. Jo do it. Jo join the House Party Protocol. Super happy fun protocol. That's really what it is, honestly. <laughs> um, so check that out. Also, uh, for the rest of season, exceptional healing. I think I did that one already, but we're bringing it back for another round. Come over to twitch.tv slash DarthBalls05, and that's balls with a Z, and you can watch my matches and yell at me and tell me how poor life decisions I'm making. And uh, for those of you that might be new here, I am basically changing up my roster every week. I'm, I'm just trying out different stuff. Uh, this week, because we didn't have an opportunity to do the TTS special report with Merzane, I just picked a roster that I was kind of fiddling with, and, and that's what I went with was a Midnight Suns roster. But uh, this upcoming week, we will have new rosters to talk about with Merzane, and we're going to be choosing one of those for our, our mission this week. And uh, yeah, make sure to give some love over to Battle Kiwi. You can uh, find the link in the description there. They make excellent battle boxes. Check those out. You can save 10% off your first order with the code PARTYKIWI. Again, link in the description there. And the code, I think, is in the description as well. And then lastly, Leland, we have to come up with a secret code word for this week's episode. And I don't think we have much of a... Like, there's not like a standout phrase for this episode, I don't think. What about you? Yeah, I, I think it should be something Ulick related. I definitely think Just, so, too. Uh, so I was uh, thinking something maybe like rock and troll, but I don't know if that's good enough. Or everybody's favorite troll? <laughs> that's too long. That's too long. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like, maybe just pounders, but... No, I got it. Trolling. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Because we're totally trolling... Yeah. With all of this so, nonsense, everyone needs to go troll uh, troll Will Hard now. Just exactly. In the comments. See, there you go. So uh, send me the secret code word of trolling, and uh, you can get a bonus entry into the giveaway. And uh, have no fear if you've been sending me those. I've got them. I haven't had an opportunity to sit down and respond to everybody. Just busy, COVID, all that good stuff's been putting me behind. But I've got your codes. Do not worry. Have no fear. You'll be hearing from me soon, and you've got about another two weeks worth of content before we pull this giveaway winner. So plenty of time to get extra bonus entries and all of that stuff. So just keep it locked right here to House Party Protocol. And uh, yeah, with that, party on, Leland. Party on, Will. And power down suits. Suits.